We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? And welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 117. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com. Back after an extended holiday hiatus, we enjoyed a few weeks off. Bucks seemed to take a few weeks off as well uh, at various points during the past few weeks. But there were some highlights. We're not going to touch too much on stuff in the in the distant past. There was obviously that great Christmas Day win against the Celtics, which is always oh so sweet. But mostly, we're going to touch upon the past week that was. And I'm, I'm thankful to be joined by my uh, compatriot at brewhoop.com, Riley Feldman. Riley, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Adam. I uh, I saw the team dealing with COVID issues, and I thought, why don't I show a little solidarity and get COVID myself? And that's what I've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks. I'm feeling a lot better now, but uh, it was no joke. I had to cancel Christmas plans back in Milwaukee because of it. Uh, but uh, I, I felt it, it appropriate that this was the closest I was ever going to be to feel like I was an NBA player and I got COVID and it, it was a beautiful dream the past couple of weeks. So how about, how about yourself? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone's waxed quite so poetic about their experience <laughs> with COVID as you, but I, I, I am glad to hear that you and, and your partner are, are, are doing better. Um, and obviously we are, we are missing Kyle this week. We, we are always missing Kyle. Um, in our hearts but he's 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 just missing the podcast this week and uh but we're excited to have him back and he gave us some he asked us to to be petty about the nets for him which i'm sure riley will be able to provide for you yes of course Um, course. and as is usual i just wanted to bring this up because we normally bring this up but how did you deal with the recent um was it like minus 17 minus 10 in minneapolis this past week how was that (laughs) Uh, it was awful. Um, <laughs> so I've got the face mask going. I've got triple layers, everything. The, the one that I really feel bad for is my dog because he's a small dog and he is built for the winter, but even this is a little chilly for him. <laughs> so he gets the coat on. We have to put like the musher secrets like Vaseline on his paws. And even then he still like picks up his paws because it's so damn cold on the ground. Um, it's been tough because between COVID and the weather being absolutely God awful, don't be wrong. This is like the nicest prison cell you could ever hope to have, but it is still a little like, Jesus, this is still the same living room I've been in for like eight, nine, 10 days in a row. Cause I just can't, you can go out for 15 minutes to walk the dog, but outside of that, there's just, there's nothing doing about it. So it's been brutal. It's going to be cold again today. And then I think get up to like the thirties regularly in the week coming, but uh I don't know. It's just the vagaries of living in the upper Midwest, I guess. I don't know how it's been in Milwaukee. Uh, this is where Kyle would be helpful. I'm assuming it's been cold there too, but uh, yeah, sub-zero temperatures are never fun, unfortunately. Yeah, it looked like it was similar. I was talking to my parents about it. It sounded like it was similar back home in near Madison and Milwaukee. So it's been 
Yeah, it's been, it's been around freezing in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. We did we did get snow. It hasn't been that bad. I mean, I'm such a wimp now that like when it's 30 degrees, I I think it's pretty darn cold. I've I've lost any sort of Wisconsin uh, power that I had. Um, did, did you? Uh, here's a question because I remember I think it was last winter you were talking about there being this like block sized pothole or something that the city shoves all the snow in or something. Is mm. that how's what's the pothole situation? Any good potholes you've seen lately walking around the city? Or so the unfortunate thing is the giant pothole that emerged in the <laughs> block of Sixth and Bainbridge in Philadelphia that shut down a whole street and flooded several people's basements with water, <laughs> shut down several businesses is now filled. Um, which is, that is, which un- is <laughs> that's super unfortunate. I'm sorry. Now, the, that. the good news is because I know everyone is interested in this. There are still two potholes remaining on my street. One is a sidewalk that's collapsed with a, an exposed <laughs> pipe. They started filling it in the other day and then they stopped, um, really poor timing to stop because now there is water flowing into that hole and it's really, really cold. The other pothole, my neighbor has a pipe that goes down. And apparently, just um, dumps water out. I don't, I don't know if this is normal. I don't, I don't know how houses work. I'm an idiot. Like I don't know construction, but it just dumps water down. So it just splashes water on the sidewalk, which is all completely frozen now. It goes directly into another pothole, which is now looking like a sort of small mini frozen lake. Um, if you were to walk down or drive down the street with a car, so the good news is it's supposed to be like 40 today and maybe like mid 40s in this coming week. So it might melt, but. Um, I, I wouldn't say that the uh, the Philadelphia Street Department uh, has, has necessarily gotten their stuff together in, in the past year. So pretty to, to be to be fair, that um, it's also the holiday season. Tis the season. They wanted to give people a chance to do a little ice fishing if they wanted mm. in the pothole lake. If they wanted people a place to shove all the snow into in the in the exposed pothole. So I think that's that's what the Philly Street Department was looking into, and I salute them for it. Good for them. Have you ever heard of city fishing? There was a couple years ago where a guy there's a there's a story there's a water line break and the city was trying to fix it and there was a guy there who would just go up and take off the manhole cover and stick his line down and he he was like fishing for carp and he's like this is some of my this is like where you get the best fish is just straight from <laughs> okay. the city's sewers. I I don't know if that happens elsewhere, but um is that guy a Sixers season ticket holder as well? That <laughs> <would make sense. laughs> he, he most likely is. Yeah, he, he has sort of similar <laughs> similar vibes. It was probably like freaking Ben Simmons or something out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But speaking of players who are absent from teams, um, DeMarcus Cousins, this is probably the biggest news of the past week, is that the Bucks decided not to guarantee DeMarcus Cousins' contract. Instead, they did decide to guarantee Wesley Matthews' contract, which I, I am a little... We, we, I know we had to retire the washed West watch a couple years ago. That was one of a great segment by you, but let's yeah, talk for about a week. It lasted for, for, a, week. for a week. And now he's looked like pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, but so, so DeMarcus Cousins is gone. There was a lot of discussion about it. Um, I don't know. Discussion, I, discussion is one way to put it for sure. I'll just, I'll just throw it to you. I mean, I think we both probably feel pretty similarly about this, but like, what, what were your reactions and, and thoughts as you processed the, the decision immediately after that uh, horrific, annoying Raptors loss that DeMarcus Cousins would not be getting his contract guaranteed? Um, 
it was just funny that it happened after like he had a decent game. That's of course like it would have been one thing if he was absolutely god awful that game. Like typical boogie fouls out in five minutes sort of thing, <laughs> but he actually has like a decent game and then we let him go. Um, I think I was a little surprised just because uh, we have been ravaged by like COVID, and as much as I love Mamu, um, and as much as you love Mamu. Uh, and Bobby as like our two big men, uh, we're kind of back to like square one where it's like, what's our big man rotation? So I figured even if there was going to be somebody down the road, they would hold on to Boogie. But um, between like, I don't know how much of it would be motivated by money savings, but assuming that was only one portion of it. And the other portion is either the Bucks think, I think Old Resorter tweeted this out, which is the right way. Either the Bucks think that their sender situation is not something they like need to worry about long term, or they think there's going to be somebody else out there that'll be more viable in like a playoff rotation than Boogie has been. Um, I think both of those would be reasonable explanations, and I wouldn't get too angry at that. I think Boogie was a nice addition on offense, and there were, <coughs> excuse me, he was okay in like conservative defenses but even then he still didn't have enough like foot speed or even like ability to leap to defend the rim all that competently uh and that's just a reality of where he's at athletically so i understand why people were upset because now we're going to go back to a very bare bones big man rotation and for all of boogie's faults on defense he was a pretty good offensive player it seemed um, but at this point, if the Bucks think that there's going to be somebody who's more of a defensive specialist that will, you know, better fill that role than what they need on the offensive end, which I think is a reasonable argument, um, then I'm not too upset with it. And I think also this probably signals, again, how confident they are of Brooke coming back eventually, that they're like, we don't necessarily need Boogie, Brooke will be back at some point. So this. All that amount, like everything coming together, I'm okay with the decision. I was surprised by it just because he had been playing so well. But um, I think what they're looking for from the bench rotation guys is like, can you play competent defense over everything? Like that's the first thing. Um, and Boogie, as much as he tried, he was not necessarily doing that. And I think that's that's kind of what it boils down to for everybody outside the top of the rotation. Um, if you can play defense, you can be on the team essentially. Yeah, I felt like the writing was on the wall within like just a couple games in part because they they never had him try to do zone drop. Like they, we, I feel like when the signing was made, it was like, oh, well, I mean, he's got so much offensive skill. If he's able to be a, a decent facsimile of what Brooke does, you know, in terms of the zone drop. And I think, I think what we all maybe need to learn more is uh, Brooke, Brooks ability in the zone drop is not to be taken for granted at all. Given Bobby Portis, they tried it for a year. He sucked. They've basically not had him do it at all this year. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, they never had him do it. And I think the fact that they thought that their best defensive coverage with a giant plotting big man was for him to heavily blitz and then try to recover back and then somehow get a, hopefully, hopefully Giannis gets a contest at the rim uh, is, is about as damning, uh, a note as you need to know about how Bud thought about him strategically. Now, on top of the fact that it was limited sample sizes, but like guys were shooting 66% at the rim against him, which is truly awful for a man that that's like 6'10". Offensively, I, I totally get it because it's just, you could so easily see how he was a boon to the team, not just in terms of him offering another guy that could go inside, which I would say the team is kind of bereft of 
right now in terms of offensive players who are able to contribute inside. But also he was able to make you know some decent passes off the roll. He was another decent pick and roll partner in terms of actually rolling. I would say the only person on this roster right now who can really even roll well is Giannis. Uh, otherwise, you're kind of having to have everyone pick and pop. At the same time, his usage was pretty high. He had like a 20% usage, which for all of the Bucks role players is like, it's very, very high. And if you look at Brooks, it's much smaller than that. He was terrible shooting the three, uh, never really even got around to, to making those. And I, and he, he was a decent passer, but I mean, at the same time, it did feel like towards the end, he did start to get a little bit of blinders. And there were a few times where he genuinely would kind of stumble as he tried to get to the rim. To me, I get it because I, I don't really know what the other solution is. I think the more interesting question to me is what type of backup big man does John Horst want? Like we've seen him cycle through a couple different ones. We tr- saw him try Robin Lopez kind of went away from that. I mean, they, they probably could have tried to keep Robin Lopez, but they realized he didn't end up playing in the playoffs. And so they wanted to try something else. Last year they did Bobby Portis. Uh, which obviously has worked out, but he, in some ways he's like not even necessarily the backup big man now. I mean, he's he's more obviously thrust into a larger role. Um, they kind of have Mamu, but I mean, he's not even much of a, a big man either. I I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, what kind of what kind of backup big man do you think Horst is envisioning, or is he envisioning any really at all? If 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 given this current status of the roster. He's envisioning two words right now, and these are critical words. And I hope, John Horst, you and I are simpatico, and I hope the whole league is listening. The two words he's thinking are Thaddeus Young. (laughs) Thaddeus Young buyout season. I have no idea who he's looking for. I would guess, okay, so assuming that they're really confident, I mean, super confident. You know the Bucs. They're very upfront about how confident they are that Brooke is going to be back, which is why they're giving nuggets to Zach Lowe about it and not saying anything. Uh, (laughs) They probably are looking for, I don't know. It's easy to be like a PJ Tucker type, but that's what Wes is supposed to do. I think they don't necessarily need like a traditional big man. They think Brooke is going to be fine enough for like the couple minutes they need a big man. And then outside of that, they want smaller dudes like a like a Bobby. And so probably like somebody who's a little more four size, like a like power forward sized who can be more of a defensive guy. So that's, that's why Thad Young would be like, I think he would be, a great signing off the bench. Like obviously he has to get bought out and choose the bucks or whatever. So, but somebody in that mold of like, we're looking for a defensive first guy who's probably more agile than anything so that he can pick up the system, uh, a plotting big guy, uh, both because the bucks already have a guy like that. Not that Brooke is plotting, but they have a big guy. And then the number of opponents that you're, this is like the other thing with Boogie. How many opponents are you going to come up against in the playoffs or literally anybody in the league who like a boogie size guy is going to really last all that long, even if he was like, okay, on defense, there's just guys of that size are not employed by a lot of teams. And so you're not going to have a lot of obvious matchups outside of having boogie sit in like a two, three zone and pray to God, bookies quick enough to like get over <laughs> on defense to stop the cross court pass or whatever, or the cutter. Um, and so it probably an agile four is how I would guess. And then hope between Giannis, Bobby, Brooke, and then X guy number four, you can work out a rotation, but that's who I would assume. But, you know, if you're looking for like specific names, Thaddeus Young's a dream signing, but I don't know who else would like really jump forward in my mind for that. 
No, yeah, and I wasn't thinking of specific names. I think the way you described it is perfectly. I was kind of looking for the rough sketch, rough outline of the kind of player horse might like. And I think what, just as you went through that, what we kind of know is he doesn't want, a, he doesn't really want a, like a five. He doesn't want like a traditional five. And I think he made that abundantly clear when like Eric Name asked him before the season, are you content with your big man rotation basically being Giannis, Bobby, Brooke, and Mamu? And he was like, yeah, we feel really good. We feel really confident <laughs> in that. As our, our, and then immediately Brooke gets hurt. But I, I am sympathetic to the argument that like it puts a lot of miles, regular season miles, which at this point are not as relevant to the team's outcome. It puts a lot of miles on Brooke, uh, Giannis, even Bobby trying to guard players who are larger d- down low or even just boxing out. And I think boxing out was something that Boogie did help when he was on the floor. The Bucks rebounded better. Um, which just having a larger body will help with that. So that's something to keep your eye on, whether the Bucks' defensive rebounding goes down or decreases um, and does worse over the next sequences of games. But I, I think ultimately, like you said, what they really want is is agility. They want someone who's going to be able to switch. And it, in the playoffs, ultimately, like we all saw it. I mean, even in the finals, Brooke was playing 24 minutes mm-hmm. and like, We've seen Bobby emerge as well as a player who, at the, at this point, they can't they can't really afford for him to be unplayable in the playoffs. So they like they're definitely going to have more minutes for him. There just would not have been many minutes for Boogie. Maybe if he maybe like against the Sixers, if Brooke gets in really bad foul trouble, it would be nice to have someone dispel him. But I, I mean, ultimately, like in the long run, I, I was totally fine with with Cousins leaving, and I was glad that he was. I think he contributed what you would have wanted to have. I mean, that's about as good as you could hope for a guy off the scrap heap coming in as a big man, doing doing enough offensively and, you know, being decent enough defensively, seeming maybe seeming to fit in, at least on the outside. I don't know if he necessarily fit the archetype of what they wanted, you know, internally, but from the outside, he seemed to fit in and get along with his teammates, et cetera. He was the perfect stopgap stop gap big man when we needed it for like a 17 game period. Like, like you said, about as perfect as you go. I understand why people would want to keep him around. Um, and especially if people spin it as a, Oh, the bucks are just cheap, which I mean, they sort of are like, I'm sure that was for sure that there was something in that calculus, but um, I, I'm not sure if it was necessarily solely a money move. It was probably more so motivated between that. And we want the flexibility, even if they don't necessarily have like a guy like, okay, this is just going, we already have like a, agreement or an idea that this guy's going to come here if they want the flexibility and say we'll survive for a couple more weeks with Bobby and Giannis and Mamu as like our big men um, I think that's a reasonable gamble on their part and not the end of the world to just skip from A to B have Boogie off the roster so you already have that roster slot open ready to go so I think it's all pretty reasonable all the way around yeah I, I mean it's very easy to tout roster flexibility before anything has happened. But in general, we've seen Horst make moves a lot of years and he'll have more cards in his, in his chest than to be able to pull them out. And I know some people are, are, are also frustrated that like Chemi Ojale is still on the roster and like, <laughs> he's obviously not doing very much. His contract is just, was just fully guaranteed already. That's, that's really the the main reason. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. I'm not sure if Semi is going to be, or Shemi is going to be a uh, long-term for the roster. So I understand why people, it, it's like super easy to be like, you see this guy go instead of, 
obviously crappier player B not go, it's like just, you know, don't worry. That guy's not going to be around probably for the long haul either. So uh, it's just a matter of time for switching up the roster in that regard. Did you see, I mean, he was big on the boards against the, uh, against the Hornets the other night. Okay. I, I just need, if I, I need... Could, it, look, here's the thing. If I could swap Shemi's contract to Luke Cornett and I've not even watched a minute of Luke <laughs> Cornett play, we're doing it right now just to see what happens. Okay. If you had to guess, I needed to check on this. What do you think Shemi is shooting now on the season? <laughs> overall from the floor? Yes. Just overall. Uh, overall Jesus Christ. I'm not sure the last time I saw him score. Um, 27% from the floor. 21.2%. Now, those are Riley Feldman numbers out there. Jesus. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's hilarious. And the, the worst part is, I mean, it's not even like, I mean, like 50, almost 50% of his shots are three. It's like he's eight of 38 on three, 21%, which is like truly abysmal. Like he should not be allowed. But six of 28 on twos, that is, I mean, they're um, really bad. It's that's bad. Really, it's really, <laughs> it's really bad. not good. It's really yeah, I'm bad. Try, do you know what is what he's been like around the rim? I'm trying to see if I can pull up his. Sh- oh yeah, yeah, right yeah. Here, I'll, I'll I'll get it here. Let's see. Okay, <laughs> his shooting percentage. Okay, shooting. Okay, field goal percentage. Oh my god, zero to three. He's Wait. he's made seven point six percent of his shots. Or <laughs> for basketball reference, he's made seven percent of his shots within three feet of the rim. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Oh, Shemmy. Hey, he hasn't – I'm not seeing any field goals with from 16 to sixteen feet out to three points. So he's he like – He working knows the his math. shot profile. He knows what he, he's working the math. Dar- Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets. Give us – Jay Sean Tate for Shemmy, straight up. Who says no? <laughs> we, did, we did great business with you last year. We definitely didn't swindle you out of uh, mm-hmm. freaking P.J. Tucker for <laughs> D.J. Wilson and D.J. Augustine. My God. Ugh. Okay, he's sorry. an adventure. Shemi has been an adventure, and I'm not sure it could have gone any poor, more poorly. I understand the risk, but this is probably until Shemi is no longer on the roster. This is probably the last I will speak about. If, if you were looking, it's been at, a good season. Yeah, if you were looking at the range of outcomes, this has to be like the zero with percentile, right? <laughs> like this isn't. It's this is this this was not that likely, but it has been just truly awful. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, other news, obviously, of the week. We continue to have to go through awful COVID protocols for seemingly everyone across the NBA. The the Bucks have had almost everyone on their roster go through it. So this past week, head coach Mike Budenholzer has been in health and safety protocols. So Darvin Ham has been acting head coach for the past three games. Uh, Grayson Allen has been in it. Pat Connaughton has been in it. George Hill have been in it. They, they've all been in it for a while. I haven't checked if any of them are close or planning to clear. I know Drew Holiday did clear the health and safety protocols, they said, on the Saturday game against Charlotte, but they were holding him out due to an ankle injury. So so that's good news. That seemed that I would assume mean that he didn't contract the virus. He was probably just a close contact. So good for him, given everything he's already had to go through with COVID. Um, Hopefully he can avoid it further. But I, I mean... Bucks backcourt essentially entirely ravaged. They signed Langston Galloway as a as a stopgap. He's been a per, a person on the court um, for them. Also, I don't remember the guy's name. Jowton is it? Davis Jowton? Jowton? Uh, something, something. Jeff Dowton. Jeff, Jeff Dowton. Jeff Dowton. Um, Bucks legend Jeff Dowton. Jeff Dowton. I mean, Luke Cornett is on there. I, I, I mean, you, there's not much to say about it other than like the Bucks just kind of keep going through it, right? They do, uh, and and you forgot to mention that Dante he blew his oh, foot off. 
I didn't want to spit off at the ankle. Oh, well, so. it hurts so just bad. Just to add, just to the add, <laughs> just to the add to the uh, the injury woes. Yes, my, my uh, right ankle is hurting a little bit when you say that. I feel for him. <laughs> Um, pretty poor timing for Dante, which I mean, you know, peak Dante to have like the most three Dante games ever and then hurt his ankle again. Um, <laughs> no, I, what are you going to say about it? It sucks. This is, I, I'm living proof of, uh, this, this latest, this latest wave of COVID seems to have been really ravaging. It's actually pretty impressive. The league hasn't had to cancel more games than they have. I think, uh, even though the product is somewhat subpar, uh, with the 7 million replacement players out there. Uh, I'm glad the league had some flexibility and you're getting like dudes that, you know, DJ Wilson's getting minutes in the league somewhere. That's the beauty of all this. So that's, that's the silver line to the COVID, but yeah, the bucks are going through it. It, it just, uh, it sucks because especially our backcourt so ravaged as it is, uh, it's pretty obvious. Like in some of the games, like Jesus drew is really, I mean, he's been ascending and he will be back pretty quickly, but the importance of Drew as an offensive creator for this team, getting good looks for everybody else. I mean, it was like on full display in the Toronto game. Um, and then obviously he misses and we're able to get through because Brooklyn's even worse than us in the backcourt. Um, but yeah, and, and, you know, just try to keep masking up guys. It seems like the team has been more stringent lately about uh, being on top of dudes, getting their masks on and everything. So hopefully this will be the last kind of like wave of stuff. Um, and it, it also drives home. We didn't talk about th- that much about Wes Matthews getting guaranteed. Makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And he fills a lot of roles in the rotation, uh, in the lineups and things like that. So driving home uh, the importance of a guy like Wes, and then hopefully at some point we'll be full health. I'm not sure we've really had a stretch outside of like three or four games where we were pretty full health. So at some point we will get there. It'll be interesting seeing what the team looks like at that point. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really nothing you could do. I mean, it, it is unfortunate. There, obviously, there are definitely times where Drew Holiday has lots of turnovers, is a little loose with his handle. But, no, I, I love Chris Milton. But sometimes just watching him have to be primary offensive initiator, it's just like his handle's just a little, it's a little high. And mm-hmm. when he has some of those gaffes, and he's a, he's a great passer, and I appreciate everything he does. But it, it drives home the ability to have not just Drew as a ball handler, but just having a guy like, guys like George Hill or Pat Connaughton or Grayson Allen who can very on the very basic level, handle the ball a bit, drive just a little bit, pass a little bit. It's rough when you don't have those players and they're, they're trying to fill in as best they can, but they're just, you know, they'll get through it. And on the other side of it, hopefully they'll be, they'll be better. Yeah. And Chris, like as much as, you know, when he's the primary offensive creator, it's like, you know, when you watch Giannis do offensive creation, he's a foot taller than everybody else. So he's got that going for him. And also he's very used to like having seven defenders draped on him and then making the pass. Chris, it's a little bit different where like, obviously the other teams like Chris is the only dude on their team who can create it all. So just really stifle him. And then him trying to create out of like traffic or out of a dribble move or something like that. It's just not necessarily in his wheelhouse, which isn't the end of the world, but I think we can probably officially move on from the Chris is like a primary ball handler creator thing. He can do it for a couple of minutes, but last year I was like, Oh, this is going to be, Chris is really going to step up. And it just, it really hasn't happened, which is fine. Like he's just like not as tall as Giannis and uh, thus finding like passing lanes outside of trouble is a lot more difficult. And I think it would be difficult for almost any player. So that's just kind of the reality of it. And until Drew is back, uh, we're going to keep going through it, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and you could say the Bucks obviously have, have Giannis and Chris, which is obviously was more than enough to win against Brooklyn. But, I mean, they were 
they were uh, not favored against both the Raptors and the Hornets, which sort of tells you all you need to know about how many, how much of their primary arsenal they were missing. Yeah, I mean, it's it. Those we're not really going to go that in depth to those games, but those games, um, you can see in the Raptors game, like when the Bucks went on a big run in the second quarter of the Raptors game, a lot of it was like Drew motion, like either choosing his own spots or like the offense was really flying. Like dudes cutting, Mamu was all over the place, Bobby pick and roll. Like there was just a lot of good motion, and Drew was the one orchestrating it all, and that's a testament to how much he's progressed as being a component of the offense. And then you, obviously he's also the defensive dynamo on the perimeter. And then like the Charlotte game is like, okay, Giannis is obviously going to get all his points, uh, which I appreciate, but then, <laughs> then trying to like coordinate the other, <laughs> excuse me, other lesser guys to like get offense going uh, a little bit more difficult for the Chris and Giannis of the world. And then trying to guard like a uh Leangelo, or not Leangelo, uh, Lamella Ball, or like, uh, I'm trying to think of who, or like Terry Rozier. Yeah. If you don't have Drew out there, I mean, it's just, it's cascading. Again, all that absence, those two games are like very indicative of how important Drew is against most teams when the other team has like defense, like decent perimeter play. And Giannis and Chris, as much as they're able to create, they're not at the same level as Drew is, especially with the other like secondary players, I think. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And then also, obviously, Mike Budenholzer and several other members of the coaching staff were out. I, I apologize. I can't remember their names. They mentioned them on the broadcast last night. But hopefully Bud gets better soon. Cool to see Darvin Ham out there. I mean, I haven't really noticed anything different besides in the, I think it was the Nets game, when he ran out an absolutely bonkers, batshit lineup without Chris and Giannis. And it was like, I, I, I mean, it was like Rodney Hood and Galloway or something. And I, I, I've had to purge it from my mind because it was so, so awful, but I, I bet if you go into the lineup stats, that's like a plus 35. Yeah, probably. And that, in, in those 45 seconds they play, that's a plus 35. Right there. In that all right. So hopefully they'll all get on the other side of it. And I mean, we might get some more close contacts. I mean, depending on what other variants there are, but I, I mean, for the most part, most of the Bucks roster have, will have gone through this then obviously. And I, I don't know if they confirmed whether, Grayson Pat and George tested positive. I, I have not looked at the protocols close enough, but I'm, since they've been out so long, I assume they would have. Yeah, Grayson was like out for a couple of days. At first they said it was a non-COVID illness. Yeah. And then I don't know if they then tested. So like for me, I was like really ill on Christmas Eve. I went and got tested and like legit tested and it came back negative. So I wonder if like, you know, what kind of testing they're doing, stuff like that. It might have, you know, how... I haven't looked at the policies all that closely either, how they like go through to figure out positive tests, like how many you have to take all that sort of stuff. So um, I, I think they've all been out for a couple of days at this point. So I would assume like middle of this coming week, end of this coming week, they should be back. But yeah, I don't know. It's kind of all over the place. Yeah. It would be great to have them back in time for that Warriors matchup next Thursday. That would be, that would be primo. All right. Last topic before we touch on the games from this past week. Just wanted to get your ta- thoughts on, uh, I feel like the all-star voting is ramping up. I don't even know when it stops. I don't know when the all-star game is. I, I didn't do really nearly enough research before this podcast, but the, the, obviously the team is kind of ramping up its its efforts. They're putting their weight behind Giannis, who's obviously going to go there. And then Drew, Chris, Bobby's kind of a pipe dream. But uh, I don't know. Any, any thoughts on, on how, one, do you care about how many all-star selections the Bucks get? And, and two, do you have any feelings either way about who you think should or, or deserves to go? Um, I don't have any strong feelings because I'm not the type who sees like all-star appearances as 
very indicative of like much, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's yes. just, it's a yep. weird voting system. It's a I'm weird assigning system. It's all over the place. So I, I don't, you know, if like Chris and Drew miss out, I'm going to shrug my shoulders and sleep, sleep well at night. That's what I'm going to do. Um, of like the guys on the team, the non Giannis guys on the team, I think I would probably nominate Drew. Uh, Chris has been like fine, but between missing games and, uh, you know, he's, he's not necessarily like the primary creator, things like that. I think of the two guys, Drew is more important to the team's success at this point um, on both ends of the floor. Uh, bad week for Chris defensively. He's he's not, uh, you know, the stand-up defensive guy or like, you know, he's still fine, but he's not like a huge plus on that end. And on offense, you know, he, you know, obviously he can fill it up himself, but creating for others. So I would say Drew would be my nominee for other guy from the team to go to an all-star appearance. I think obviously Bobby would be a lot of fun, but that's going to have to take a lot of COVID uh dudes missing because of covid to get bobby there um but not i I don't feel all that strongly about it It, it, if it's just Giannis, i'm also not going to be super upset about that i haven't kept all that close of a track of other dudes in the league um who are out there and i don't even think like the fan votes matter outside the top five guys and drew is absolutely not going to make the top five voters in the league so um i I, unless it's a coach feeling which is fine but i think there are going to be other teams like uh fred van vliet he might get a nod over a Drew, for example, just to give Toronto like a guy who's been having a great season. So I, I'm, I would think it likely that we only have one all-star. Um, and if it's just Giannis, that's not the end of the world. I don't think. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't get too bent out of shape out of it either. It, at least, especially not this year when frankly, I think both Drew and Chris and Giannis honestly could use an extra week of just not having to worry about basketball and doing that whole rigmarole on the, the press circuit and all that kind of stuff and flying. Where is it at Cleveland this year? I think it's at Cleveland. Flying to beautiful Cleveland. No disrespect. Great Lakes industrial rust belt, but beautiful Cleveland is probably not the place people are like raring to go. Drew is like, I don't want to go to an all-star game. <laughs> Drew doesn't want to be an all-star. So, and I can't blame him for it if that's what he's going for. <laughs> yeah. I think I go, I think I would go Drew too. I, I'm, Look, we, we all like Chris Middleton, but like, frankly, he's having sort of a down year for him. I mean, he's shooting like 36% from three. Um, I was kind of surprised. I was just, I was pulling up some numbers beforehand. So I was looking at, this is so basic and not exactly, not how we should be doing all-star selection, but I was just kind of curious. So like in the Eastern Conference, he's 25th in terms of points per game um, behind the likes of Tyler Harrow. Uh, Cole right. Anthony. That's enough. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the interesting thing to me is that he's taking like the fewest shots that he's taken in five years. Like he's only at 14.7 shots per game, which is, I mean, that's like, it's less than Tobias Harris. It's less than Drew, less than Terry Rogier, Karis LeVert in Indiana. Um, so I was just a little surprised to see him, you know, be down a little in terms of his shots. And I, I think it maybe it's, you know, him kind of working his way in and he's obviously dealt with the, the knee injury and COVID. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't think I would have him be an all-star this year, but just kind of hopefully he'll be, he'll find a way to be on the ascending side post all-star break then. Yeah, it is curious. If you were just to ask me like gut feel, it does not only like production numbers, but just like the number of possessions that go through, I would have to look at what his usage rate is, but um you know, last year there were multiple games where it's like, all right, we're just going to ride Chris for like the entire third or fourth quarter. And that feels like that's a far cry from where we are now. There's been like occasional games where he would get up like 20 shots or like a ton of threes. But outside of that, I'm not sure if we've had 
a ton of like signature Chris dominated games so far this year. And like you said, whether or not that's him working back into his spots, maybe there's like a certain level of design to it. It's like, oh, Drew is like, we're really working on him being the primary creator. Um, and I, I would also have to look at like the lineup numbers, but it, it's just down year, not a great creator compared to other guys. I think it all kind of comes together to say Chris is still a good player. And yes, obviously we hope that he will work his way into like the player that he was even last year. Um, which I think is there's a pretty decent possibility. It's a long season. Uh, a week of break would probably be good for him. Um, but I don't think it's near level of like he should get the all-star not over a Drew. Or even if you were to ask me like him versus Bobby, uh, maybe Bobby has been like more important in his like larger role filling in with Brooke gone, things like that. Um, so, I don't, you know, I definitely don't think Chris is going to get an all-star not this year. And I, I'm not going to be upset about that either. And I'm, I'm sure he'll be okay with a week of rest as well. So. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, it would be great if Drew could go. I mean, just based purely on the eye test, I, he's, he definitely seems more deserving to me than Chris Middleton. Um, even after his kind of rough start, he's, he's all, I think he's up to like 65% at the rim now shooting after a really, really rough start. So that's that's been great to see. So we'll have to keep tabs on that. Obviously, we'll probably cover some of the all-star stuff uh, when it's finally selected. But um, just a, some initial all-star thoughts on, on the Bucks. So let, let's talk about the games this past week, Riley. And and by games, I mean, basically, we're just going to talk about the Nets game. Uh, <laughs> but before we do that, like, so the Bucks lost to Detroit with Chris, Giannis, and Drew. It, it was frankly really not super fun to watch. They, they made a push at the end, which was whatever. Um, Sadiq Bey has like 34 points, and he's like hasn't been able to hit a three all year, and he goes like eight of 13 or something. Bucks shoot like twenty five percent from three. They couldn't. They couldn't make anything. Um, whatever. It was an annoying loss. Then they lose against the Raptors. There's no Giannis in that one. The Bucks score eleven points in the third period. Pascal Siakam goes off. Like that one was annoying. The Hornets game. They lose one fourteen one oh six. There's no backcourt. Giannis has forty three points. Chris is twenty seven. I didn't mind that one as much, um, if only because I, I do find the Hornets pretty fun to watch. Like that was the, that was kind of the more annoying thing to me is I was like, uh, okay. So the bucks are kind of like grinding and it's not super fun. Well, thankfully the Hornets are kind of balancing it out with like, they get one rebound, throw it down and then have a crazy alley-oop over, <laughs> over bucks defenders who aren't getting back. So like they actually made it kind of a fun game to watch. Uh, for I, me. I was tweeting last night. If we're going to go out sad, I want the other team to be putting on like a Harlem globe trotters. <laughs> show on us. And that's what they, that's what they provide it. Like, I know people are um, getting like annoyed with the showboating uh, from the Hornets last night, but I was like, you know, when you have like uh, when you have Miles Bridges going up for like crazy between the legs dunks, or like um, Kelly Oubre Jr. having the games of his life against the Bucks. <laughs> I mean, you know, that dude has the blondest dyed hair I've ever seen in the world. Respect to you if you go up and you're absolutely dominating. It at least it's like fun to watch like entertaining basketball the other way, even if it is like slightly annoying, but yeah, I mean like the Fred Van Vliet going off, that is so, so, so much more annoying him, him, him scoring any basket is more annoying to me than like LaMelo ball doing one showboating thing. Like also Char- Charlotte has had nothing for what, 25 years of existence <laughs> or however long they've been around. Like those fans definitely deserve to like have some fun because we, mm-hmm. we, we're finally getting to have fun and they, they definitely deserve to have some fun. So I agree. Um, let Miles Bridges jump off two flat feet and completely dunk all over the Bucks on a mm-hmm. really easy alley oop. Uh, okay, so any any general thoughts that you want to bring to from those those three losses this past week? 
Um, we were super duper lazy in the Detroit game until like the <laughs> final five minutes. Uh, the transition defense was god awful, and our perimeter defense was equal. Now, to be fair, like you said, Sadiq Bay had the game of his life. Josh Jackson oh. had the game of his life from a three. Yeah. So those are guys who are you are <laughs> normally going to be okay with shoot. I think. Josh Jackson is the sub 30%. Like these are guys who you're okay taking those shots, but did not help that like while they were taking them, couldn't have been more wide open and dudes just being like, well, I don't know. He's open in the corner. What am I going to do about it? Um, I thought this, the, all three of the games that Giannis played in super typical Giannis, like 30 plus points in all the games, 40 plus last night against the Hornets um, against Luca Garza, which, my apologies. I thought he was Luke Garza. I'm only finding out he's Luca Garza. My bad, Luca. Uh, Giannis put him in a trash can all the game long. It was not good for him. So it was fun watching Giannis dominate because he was like the only dude who really showed up for the Detroit game. It, the only thing was uh, if I was to critique anything from Darvin Ham so far this week, it would have been the third quarter of the Toronto game. He let us like suffocate on offense just doing whatever with Mambu running like the point for a couple of possessions uh for probably a little too long in that third quarter um and I know he, like uh, both Wes and uh Bobby had foul trouble early in the third quarter so he was kind of his hands were a little tight but um there were a couple of opportunities where it seemed we were really rushing just to try and get like shots up and I'm not sure if that's necessarily I mean we scored 11 points so obviously that wasn't the right decision um, but out of like those games, underhanded, uh, literally, I think only one other guy off the bench scored against the Hornets and everybody else combined to go for like one of 40 from the floor. <laughs> so uh, when all of that <laughs> is coming together, um, the Hornets game is probably the, I don't know, maybe no, the Detroit game was the most egregious. They were all like Detroit and Raptors were both pretty egregious losses, to be honest. Um, but I don't know if there was much to really take away from it outside of being lazy slash not having Giannis out there, probably. Yeah. I ha- Oh, yeah. I had this in my re- recap. I can't remember. So Wes, Jordan Wara, Rodney Hood, and Langston Galloway against the Hornets <laughs> went 4 of 31. Uh, only bench player to score, I believe, was uh, was Mamu, f- fittingly. Uh, who... I mean, oh, I, I should, we should, you should do, I don't know if we have a Mamu segment, but you should talk about his Raptors. He was good in the Raptors game. He was, he was good against the Raptors. About him. He yeah. was good against the Raptors. I and mean, he's been, I think that's the second game in a row. He's been pretty good against the Raptors. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, the, the thing is, he is like, he'll, he'll, he'll get up there for offensive rebounds. Like he is like the king of like, I'm going to get in the muck um, against the Hornets. He had a possession. I really liked where he got the ball on the right wing beyond the arc pump faked really decisively drove in and then, you know, Hornets helped over on him, which was objectively stupid because they helped off Chris. But anyway, he, he was able to read it and found Chris for an open three atop the arc. And it's like, okay, that, that, that's a small play, but it's something that you want to see from him because he's recognizing he might be able to take the three and he's taking advantage of that. So that's like another potential offensive skill. He's kind of getting together defensively absolute train wreck still like truly truly (laughs) i I haven't seen what his percentage is at the rim i would love to look it up but even if it's okay i i I, guy hasn't really met um uh, an offensive player he doesn't want to foul when they go up at the rim even uh, like against the hornets he had a great like vertical contest against i don't remember what quarter it was hands were up like what the guy wasn't going to get it and then like at the very last second he like brought his hands down and raked the guy and i was like (laughs) i don't know why you wanted to do that, Mamu. But 
I, I mean, I would say in general, like there's been enough like kind of, and he got to the free throw line for like six free throws against the the Raptors, which like, I mean, God knows no other real player on the, on the Bucks roster generally gets to the free throw line. So um, I mean, it's small steps. I, I don't even know if he'll, they'll end up signing him after this year. I think he would be worth a flyer uh, maybe for next year developmentally, but uh, if only for my sake, because I'm still trying to wait for a, a Mamu jersey to get on the Bucks shop. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't want to resort to emailing them or tweeting at them, please. Or making my own. Just, just put it on there. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like those, uh, like those two ladies with the Gorios uh, custom <laughs> jerseys so- or whatever. <laughs> Didn't he get signed? Did someone sign Yorgio, Yorgos? Uh, I think somebody was saying he's with the Oklahoma City Blue. I haven't bothered to look, mm. but that's that's what I've heard. So he's in the G League. I think actually my brother told me that he's with the Oklahoma City G League team. It's truly, Oklahoma City is truly committed to tanking at all levels of the organization. That is, that is full on 100% commitment. Um, uh, I think Ma- yeah. so. Ma- Mamu is a lot of fun. Uh, yes, he is a train wreck on defense. I, I appreciate guys. If you're going to be the 17th dude on the roster, when you go out there, be a chaos agent. Yeah, throw throw yourself around. Like in the Raptors game, he was doing a lot of deflecting, um, and it seemed to be like intelligent hunting of passing lanes or like getting in position to mm-hmm. cut off passes. Whereas, like for example, Jordan Wara, while he's in arguably more of a plus on offense, depending on how you like his style of play. He like has a lot of Dante-esque like gambling for no apparent reason, leaving dudes wide open. Whereas Mamu, it's like, well, at least he's like intelligently gambling, I guess, or like his positioning is okay, even if his actual like rim protection is pretty bad. So if you're going to be the 17th guy, be a chaos engine guy, that's what he is. Uh, And he's perfect guy for G League, like perfect guy for the two-way, go and feast in in Oshkosh or whatever, and just fill out a couple minutes here or there. So. Uh, that was, he was probably like the non-starter player of the week or something, I, you know, and that's more than I ever would have guessed from him. So, <laughs> And please, God, just keep him around for summer league. Like I've had to sit through so many abysmal summer leagues and no one else on the staff wants to cover those games. So like, please <laughs> just, just leave him, leave him around for me, Bucks. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know anything else from these games. I, 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 I can't really, I can't get upset about any of them, to be honest. I mean, it's like the middle of the season. We're missing players. Like, I, I get why people would be frustrated with the Detroit loss in particular, given they're absolutely awful. But a lot of stuff didn't go the Bucks' way. I didn't really learn very much from any of these games. Like, I, you know, it's, it, it's middle of the season. And honestly, part of me was thinking, like, I'm kind of glad we had the boogie stuff just as like a mid-January way to keep the discourse going, because otherwise these games, like we would have no, absolutely nothing to talk about. So on some level, I was, I was happy for that. I was happy for that. And to cap it all off, they got the win against the game that mattered most. You can do all the, if we went one and three this week, they got the one on the one game that really mattered to get it in. So that that's what's most important about this week. Yeah, I guess we should. So we, let's see, we've gone... Yeah. 45 <laughs> minutes without talking about the, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets. Where, podcast, that's what it's all about. <laughs> so the, the D-Peds will really, really been sticking around. Oh, I'm definitely not going to timestamp this. So 121 to 109, Bucks win. Obviously, they're missing um, they're missing Drew and all of those players we mentioned previously. So basically, no backcourt. Giannis has 31 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. Bobby, 25 points. I think 20 of those came in the first half. Chris has 20 points. I, I mean, the final score does not do it justice. Steve Nash pulled his players with about six and a half minutes left in the game. It was, in general, a, a pretty 
a pretty nice trouncing of this Brooklyn Nets team who looked disinterested. Um, je- that's probably being generous defensively. Uh, had absolutely no answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was in foul trouble most of the night and played just a tick under 27 minutes. Uh, I, I mean, this is about as as thorough of an undermanned beatdown as you can you can have of a of a premier team in the conference. I think the beauty of this game was while we suck without Drew as our lead perimeter guy, the Nets are even worse. I mean, what <laughs> uh, did David Duke Jr. get uh, get the start for them? Who is yes, yes. he did. Uh, not great. Uh, Petty Mills is an off shooting night, which does not help. But the problem for the Nets is uh, you. Like you can get like a defensive like focus guy, but a lot of it is like, does defense start with your star guys? Do they care enough to like play hard on defense and like inspire other guys? I'm not sure you could find a dude less interested than James Harden and KD <laughs> might be right there, right next to him, given the structure of the roster around them. Um, yes, yeah, so this is as thorough trouncing as you could get. I was thoroughly unimpressed by the Nets. Uh, James Harden seems to have still not adjusted to the way that the league is calling him. And I just, he looks extremely out of shape and I have no idea what he's doing. Um, And the beauty of this game is yes, I have no idea what the Kyrie situation is going to be. There's no like real commentary on that because who's going to guess how things will play off in the playoffs. But um, even if Kyrie is out there, the way that the nets are structured right now, there seems to be literally nobody on the roster at all capable of slowing Giannis down. Last year, you could say, um, okay, Blake Griffin, really annoying guy. Like he can kind of like trip Giannis up or try to injure Giannis or whatever. Okay. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, they didn't play him at all, but like that's a theory guy. Nick Claxton gives up what seems to be 85 pounds of muscle to Giannis. So that is going to be a masker every time. Marcus Aldridge had to retire because his heart was going to give out. That is not going to go well for them. And he is not like a great defensive player as it is. Blake Griffin and Paul Millsap are catching DMP CDs and they're running David Duke Jr. out there. Uh, like, th- I'm not sure what Brooklyn is going to do, but this was the kind of game where uh, even without Drew, uh, everybody else stepped up and the key was that Giannis is so much better than everybody else and there's nobody that could slow him down. Whereas, yes, KD is like an offensive dynamo and he's going to be an offensive dynamo if we face them again in the playoffs. But we seem to have at least the idea we could just run it back. Wes is not the same exact build as a PJ Tucker, but he's going to be able to like, (coughs) excuse me, theoretically guard KD, (coughs) excuse me again, um, guard KD with as much like verve as PJ did. And even though PJ wasn't effective with like keeping KD down in terms of scoring numbers, it's about making him work for the shots. And we're going to be able to do that again in theory. And the, Brooklyn is not going to have a feasible answer to what we do best, which is let Giannis cook. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this. Yes, they're dealing with their own COVID issues. Yes, Kyrie's all over the place. But that was the big takeaway was like the key thing that we do best, they don't really have an answer for. And the key thing they do best, we don't have like the greatest answer for, but we have like some sort of answer for. So that's that's what I took away from this game. Yeah, I think to, the most most important takeaway, and I, I don't think there's a lot to take away because it's a regular season game and they're missing players, we're missing players, et cetera, was, was like you said, how they were going to guard Kevin Durant. So Wes Matthews obviously got the assignment. We saw Chris Middleton get some of it last year in the playoffs, and he, I think he had may have had a little bit of it, bit of it but he was guarding James Harden a lot more in this one, which, um, I don't know, 
James Harden didn't do that well, but frankly, Chris Middleton didn't look very good against him defensively. It was uh, it was a it was a movable object versus a stoppable force is what was yeah, going on out there. <laughs> um, but I, I was going to ask you. So I thought the the other important inter- not I wouldn't say important but interesting takeaway is that Bobby Portis, who could barely play against the Nets last year, didn't play in games five through seven. Um, played thirty two minutes, most of anyone who played in this game. Uh, obviously was, was hot, which makes him obviously a lot more viable out there, but you know, 25 points, 12 rebounds, uh, but was the, had the highest plus minus on the team, which is kind of crazy. But I mean, I would say more interestingly is they didn't really guard Kevin Durant the same way as they did last year. So if, if folks remember last year, the playoffs, a lot of times, I mean, Brooke was playing massive minutes. I mean, he basically played the entire game, uh, seven, like, like, you know, 48 minutes or whatever. Um, and they would put. Broke in the zone drop, they would say, PJ Tucker, fight like hell over this screen. Try and get a contest as best you can. Katie's going to rise up and pull up for a shot. So in this one, you saw many, many times, they did this against James Harden too. So they would set a screen, and then Bobby Portis would come up and, and flat hedge and, and you sort of aggressively um, try and get there and force Kevin Durant to try and make a pass or split the pass to like Nick Claxton in the middle. Um I, I, you know, I, I think it's an interesting strategy. I could see if there's a more, um, I think that, I think there's a lot of counters to that that are pretty easily found. So I, I'm not sure how viable that is. Like Nick Claxton just wasn't making decisions very quickly in the first half at all. And that was sort of damning their offense. If you look in the very first, I think it was the very first play of the second half. Like the Nets just ran a super great set where like Kevin Durant got doubled they had James Harden come over and like get ready for a, a DHO or whatever. And so they were like, okay, well, we're getting double. Why don't we swing the ball to an actual good player and not uh, Nicholas Claxton? So I think there's a lot of ways that they could get hurt out of that. Uh, not to mention the fact that like Patty Mills was one of six from three. And if they had more potent three point shooters around and they had like a guy like Bruce Brown in the middle, who I think frankly would have been more effective against the Bucks, like him on the short roll, spraying it out to Joe Harris or, um, you know, potentially Kyrie Irving or Petty Mills on the perimeter. That's going to be a lot different than I think the offense that we saw in this game, which was kind of James Harden and Kevin Durant forcing it and Nick Claxton looking a little lost in the middle of Petty Mills missing shots. So uh, defensively, I think, like you said, the most important takeaway is that Wes Matthews is the kind of guy who is going to be able to give us minutes and, and fiercely guard Kevin Durant. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still not going to read too much into like what Bobby was able to do since I'm not sure that's the kind of coverage they're going to do for, um, an entire series. Yeah. Uh, I would agree with a lot of that. It's, it, I think it's instructive that they're, I mean, obviously they have no choice because Brooke isn't out there. I'm trying to find different off- defensive looks where in theory you could play Bobby because I think he's too progressed now as an offensive player in the way that the rest of the roster is structured to not try and find minutes for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we, we don't know what Brooke's situation is going to be when he'll be back, all that sort of stuff. Um, I appreciate that they're trying different defenses to see, okay, can you play comfortably within this? And I think that's, you know, that's the other thing that matters about the regular season. It's not so much, obviously we want the win, but can we find different looks where it's like, in theory, this will work for like a couple of minutes to get Bobby out there um, off the bench or wherever he's coming from. Um, and, you know, it, with like when Joe Harris is back, when Patty Mills is back, um, all that might change. The, and if Kyrie is back, that might all change the calculus of how we're going to play defense. 
Um, but at a certain point too, it seems like there's a lot of Brooklyn's offense. It's just James Harden, Kevin Durant being like, we're going to make things happen. That's what essentially outside of like Bruce Brown being a God tier cutter during the <laughs> playoffs last season, um, that was essentially the offense. And so, um, if they're going to continue to have that be the center of their offense, I think it's reasonable to like, see if we can find something that works around that, uh, and just pray that they continue to take that challenge instead of like trying to find a Joe Harris or, if, or if one of the shooters go cold, then obviously it's going to, they're just going to revert to like James Harden, Kevin Durant ball. And then you have maybe something that you're comfortable throwing against them. So I, I think there's, we're not going to look back at this game and be like, this is the one, I mean, I was tempted to be like, you know, how many more times do we have to beat the nest before we realize that they're just never going to beat us? Uh, I would not go that confidently into the future, but we're seeing enough ways here winning, like clowning them on opening night, both of us underhanded, but, or, you know, underhanded against in this game, but again, finding a way to win. We've won however many four in a row now against the nets. Uh, you know, everything's kind of coming together where I wouldn't say we necessarily totally have their number, uh, but it's always nice to win a lot of games against the team and at least have that going for you. So we got that, in in the back pocket, continue to get these wins against the Nets. Yeah, the, I mean the other you you bring up a, a great point. It's about trying to show different coverages, and that's what they'll have to do throughout. They can't just keep showing one thing. They'll they'll probably want to mix it up. Um, and the, I mean the other benefit of of showing really hard on guys like Kevin Durant and James Harden is like sure they want to pass, but they also want to get theirs. And if you keep forcing mm-hmm. the ball out of their hands, eventually they're going to want to kind of try and create, especially if like a guy like Joe Harris goes cold or Patty Mills goes cold. You kind of see the lead slipping, slipping away, getting further and further away. You want to try and create on your own. And I, I think that's, that's where the nets can get into trouble and the bucks force them into tough spots. Um, and, you know, I also just in general, a decent game from some role players outside of garbage time, of course, like, like Ronnie hood, four of eight, 10 points. What, what other game was it? Was the Knicks game? I was yeah yeah this one might have been a little bit better given the stakes but uh 10 points for Rodney Hood um I mean and you played 20 minutes with Langston Galloway out there and you're still able to to take down the Nets I mean to survive (laughs) to survive yep five of nine from West Matthews Jordan Wara had um I would say one of the better games I've seen in a while like uh you know he was hitting shots. I'm pretty hit or miss on him. Uh, actually, mostly miss on him for my, uh, in my opinion. But uh, it was good. It was nice to see him come out and and you know at least show out against the Nets and, and hit some jumpers. He had a big three pointer, I think, in the third quarter when the Nets were kind of biting into the lead. It was a quarter three off the feed from Giannis. So, yeah, people talk about how. You know, Giannis at MSG, he's like, you know, he's a different kind of player. I think we need to start talking about Rodney Hood, Mr. New York, Mr. (laughs) New York City. Every time he shows up, big game for Rodney. Keep that in mind when we play the Nets in the playoffs. Um, I I I, I was going to say, Knicks, if you're interested, I mean, any player, maybe (laughs) if you're willing to deal someone decent, Rodney Hood is is Mr. New York. He might put up with Fortier. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's going to take him to the promised land. Um, Jordan Wara, there are a couple of possessions that he was the primary defender on James Harden. It's not that he did great. It's just that James Harden was so lackadaisical that it didn't really matter that Jordan Wara would like fall over at a first like jab step or whatever. So good. I'm glad Jordan Wara didn't like get absolutely roasted <laughs> on defense, mostly because James Harden was too lazy to take advantage. So if that's going to be the case and if Jordan Wara doesn't, you know, do 60 dribble moves on the wing and then try and split a double team and then throw up a behind the back spinning layup or whatever. 
you can get Mattis Jordan. That's fine. And then he he didn't play all that well in some of the other games this week. The he's like the Joker of the or uh, not what's what's the guy from Batman? Is it Two Face? Is that Two Face? Yeah. Yes, he's kind of like Two Face. When he's on, he's on, and when he's off, it's like wow, this is really bad. <laughs> this is really well, bad. Okay, so. wait a second. Isn't that isn't that uh, David Dunn's? thing for Chris Middleton yes, for Chris okay. exactly that's why that's why everybody is like you know there's a lot of Chris Middleton or there's some Chris Middleton Jordan Wars games like when he's on filling it up it's like wow this guy can't miss and when he's off is like I mean obviously the low for Chris is much higher than the low for Jordan Wara but there are times it's like man what are you why are you doing that and the number of times that Mar- uh, Marcus Johnson on the broadcast he's like don't do too much don't do too much like he's just yelling out while Jordan's like doing triple moves I was like clearly he wants him to play well but he can recognize that Jordan kind of the confidence is maybe a little too high at times given his place in the rotation yeah I love Marcus Johnson he is like he genuinely when he's on he brings me like for so much joy every single broadcast mm-hmm. he also does have Jordan Wara is his new DJ Wilson. He picks like one player who is like his sort of his pet project and he wants him to do well. Um, I guess War is a better bet than Wilson, but I mean, not by much, but I do appreciate you're right. Like there was one possession where he was like, oh God, oh God, no, 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 don't do it. Don't, no, no. Uh, all right. Well, if you got the confidence to make that yes, bunny, exactly. then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, if you're going to have the confidence to go against three defenders in transition, you better make that play. And, and that time he did, I was like, that's exactly right. Marcus, Marcus has been, this is getting away from the Nets game. He's been excellent at like rooting for the team. And I think he's really good at like explaining what's happening without it being like, you know, above the head of the average viewer. So like, you know, he'll explain like, oh, obviously they're having difficulty scoring right now, but like he'll give insight into it. Like, you know, you could tell guys are forcing it or whatever. Somebody just, you know, the offense starts breaking down and and that's instructive for me as a viewer of like, you know, you can notice the Bucks when they're really on, it's like, okay, what is it that I'm seeing here? Oftentimes it's very fluid offense and then understanding what it is that gets the Bucks off. So like if things start going poorly, usually they have Giannis out there who can just like, create buckets anyhow um but then other guys struggle with like then isolation starts like how quickly it is that even a team as well coaches the bucks um we can kind of fall into bad habits uh I, I think that's another lesson from the week is like we're really good but even when there is difficulty without like a strong hand as a coach um it could be tough or easy to fall into some bad habits so a good week for marcus johnson as well in terms of announcing and helping explain a lot of that Anything else from the Nets game you wanted to touch on or discuss? Did you get enough petty in for Kyle? I mean, when are people going to really get in on James Harden? This is unacceptable at this point. He looks really out of shape. He's <laughs> really lazy on offense. Like he'll get, I mean, he'll get past Chris and then he'll, he just assumes he's still going to get calls. We're at like, 30 plus games into the season and he still hasn't really like adjusted at all. Uh, very lazy passer, obviously God awful on defense, like everything about James Harden. I can't believe there are Harden fans. Like that's, I could not imagine being a Nets fan. And obviously, I mean, it's already godless team because everybody just signed there. You have nothing like actually to latch onto as like genuinely organically Nets. Um, but to have that be like my second star, Oh my God, that would drive me crazy. Like, it's just the laziest basketball you've ever seen. I think, obviously, if Kyle was here, we would have heard the word bum about 30 times. And Kyle would be exactly right about that. Uh, and I'm not sure how Kevin Durant doesn't just kill that guy. It's It has to be super frustrating. <laughs> like, you know, Kevin Durant, when he's out there on offense, he's, like, really working to get his shot and everything. 
James Harden is like almost the exact opposite, and that has to be extremely frustrating to watch as a teammate uh, and as a fan as well. So good on you, James Harden. Obviously, he's going to light us up at some point in the playoffs if we face him, but a less scary iteration of him than uh, I think he's been in a very long time, which also gives me hope for a series against the Nets, even if they do get Kyrie back, is that um, trying to keep all those mouths fed with a lesser secondary like group around them. I think right now the challenge is even tougher for Brooklyn than it was last year. Like I'm not saying their window is closed by any means, but I think us beating them last year, we have the confidence going in and then uh, they just have not, obviously they have a really good record, but I don't think they've looked like the world beaters that people expected them to be. So that's kind of the big takeaway driving home. Like Giannis is, clearly better than anybody else and nobody really has an answer for him. So all of those come together in the Nets game, even though it's just like a random Friday night. But I think a lot of good things to take away from Milwaukee in that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my one brief bit of, I'm not even petty, but the the preseason narrative of the Nets are stocking up on Giannis defenders when they got uh, James Johnson, Paul Millsap, and Blake Griffin. That is that is the their equivalent of the Bucks got their P.J. Tucker replacement in semi Ochele. It, it's just factually inaccurate. <laughs> Just, just we we never should have believed it. They never should have believed it. It it was dangerous to even peddle it. Um, James Johnson is completely uh, washed, beyond washed at this point. I, I appreciate what he did against Giannis in Miami. I think I think the, the Giannis Miami problem might just be a Giannis against a Spostra problem. That if we're if we're all being uh, candid about it, I would say kind of continues um, and frankly kind of continued in the Miami series last year, even in a sweep. I didn't, he was not at his best, but um, the Nets do not have Giannis uh, defenders. So no, they, they have very um, 2019, 2020 bucks feels where it's like, what if we just get like a whole bunch of vets who, I mean, they <laughs> yes. might not have anything left in the tank, but God damn it. Kyle Korver is a buck. And how cool <laughs> is that? And it just didn't really work out. And that kind of has very similar vibes where like, I'm sure Katie and James Harden were like, you know, uh, Paul Millsap's cool. I've heard of that guy before. Let's just bring him on board. And uh, he's catching D and PCDs. So I, I would agree that's uh, roster construction, probably not all that wise. And, and and again, Giannis is, this Giannis is so different, but not like so different, but he's at the peak of his powers beyond even last season. I think mm-hmm. like there's just, if you're trying to rely on the guy, like the defenders of old of your to try and still step up against like a Giannis who continues to get better in his approach, I mean, that's, that's just a losing formula. And, I, you know, trying to find the guy to stop him is, like, nigh impossible. But signing dudes who are in their late 30s who have a ton of miles on them, probably not exactly the right move. But they have time to maybe figure it out at the deadline or something. I don't know. But, yes, yeah. those those signings look like they backfired for sure. Yeah, they, they aren't looking great. I mean, it's not like the Bucks signings are looking that great either. But um, Wesley Matthews has looked like a good in-season pickup. So stay tuned. We'll we'll be talking more about it in the in the weeks ahead, I'm sure. For right now, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side of this, we'll do our miscellaneous topics, predictions for the week, and close it out. So stay tuned. All right, we're back. Riley, you have rapid fire. Um, go ahead and fire away. Okay, so first question here for you. You, you may have looked it up before um, we started recording. How many Bucks have suited up and played in at least one game so far this season? Oh, God. Uh, 24. 23. You were pretty close. We've had 23 players so far suited up for wow. the Bucks. That's, <laughs> That's so funny going to like every team's basketball reference page. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> they have, they've had 30 players on their roster so far this season. We're like – 
not even halfway through the year. Um, okay. Uh, are you a state fair guy? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Uh, if you do go to the state fair, is there something that's like tolerable that you, you're like, okay with going to do if I'm assuming you go to, you've gone to state fairs, right? I have, I have, I've gone. Okay. So, so I would say I I'm not, I, go ahead. I, was, I, I'm not going to wonder whether or not because of your background, I don't know if your family like did stuff for state fair or anything from the farm or not, or. Oh, okay. So, okay. Like so I, I will make a distinction, quick distinction. So I am not a state fair, Wisconsin state fair guy. I've gone to it twice in my life and once it was for work. Um, but I am a county fair, green county fair <laughs> stalwart. Okay. I showed, I showed calves there and cows for like 13 years. So I would, you know, go down there every day, uh, wake up at like 6am or whatever, go down and pick up manure, do my barn duty, all that kind of stuff. So I am, I am a hardcore green county fair, um, stalwart. My favorite things to do are, um, get I would get a cinnamon roll and three chocolate milks because that was the deal at the barn um it's no wonder I was uh, a little obese as a child (laughs) whenever I look back on some of my decisions it's like Mm -hmm. yeah no shit Um, um, and uh, I would do the rides once and I always wanted uh, a funnel cake when I would go to the fair Okay. Those are all good. Uh, so were you one of the kids, I find it always funny whenever I go to the state fair, um, either like the 4-H kids or whoever's showing and like obviously straw hat and like absolutely passed out on a hay bale at like noon or whatever. Were you, was that like your vibe for not, a time? Or? Not straw hat, but I, I would definitely go in and like have my ratty jeans and my farm clothes and like fall asleep <laughs> on my calf occasionally. Yeah, that's okay. for sure. Okay. That's good. That's a good background. That was my aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, I like state fairs. Like uh, I like, I've never been in the Minnesota one, so I can't compare. But I've always liked going to Wisconsin one. Plus, they have the Bucks twenty five cent milk, mm. which is uh, that's that's a classic. Um, yeah. Okay, this is a. Uh, I was having difficulty thinking of a question, so this is a Philly question. So here we go. If Joel Embiid plays his whole career in Philadelphia but never wins the title, would would you say that in the balance? Nick Foles will have still been sports Philly sportsman of the early 21st century, having gotten that Super Bowl for the city. So Joel Embiid entire career, but he never wins. Nick Foles won Super Bowl. Who has like who is regarded as the sportsman of Philadelphia? Nick Foles, and even if Joel Embiid <laughs> wins a title, I, I think it's still Nick Foles. This is this is judging purely based upon the sickening amount of Eagles fandom that there is out here. Like mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Packers fans. We love our team. You don't love your team as much as the Eagles fans love their team. I, I've seen it firsthand. It's crazy, truly like definitional of fanatic. Um, so Nick Foles for sure. Um, I, I think people it's such even, I mean, even Sixers fandom is crazy because like, you know, the local TV stations are doing cuts of a trash can going down <laughs> down the river. You're you're walking around, you're finding pictures of like uh, Ben Simmons posters with a like a prohibited sign on it. Like even <laughs> so I think that's indicative of how crazy it is that Eagles fan and weren't you saying like you were you were at somewhere like and like a, an Eagles chant just broke out in like a somewhat inappropriate place for an Eagles chant to break out. Oh like, yeah, I, we were. Um, yeah, we, well, we were we were taking the train down to the Sixers Bucks game, and on the way up, uh, Eagles chants broke out. We were, I think, I just went to like a gas station here, and Eagles chants just broke out randomly because like some guy was wearing an Eagles shirt. It's like 
it's crazy. If you ever get off the train that like is by all of the Philadelphia sporting arenas, they're all in one one place. No matter what yeah. what game you're going to, when you walk up, people will start chanting E L G L E A G L E S Eagles over and over. It's crazy. It's a beautiful city. Okay, uh, final question: uh, Would you ever want to go to an NBA All Star Weekend? Uh, no, I don't yeah. think so. I, if it was in Milwaukee, that'd be one thing. Yeah. I think that'd be kind of cool. But outside of that, or like obviously here in Minneapolis, but like when so when uh, the Super Bowl came to Minneapolis, they had like a whole bunch of events during the weekend. I'm assuming the NBA is very similar. Sort of underwhelming. I'm like, okay, why is Jason Derulo out in negative 20 degrees <laughs> doing like the running man on this stage right now in downtown Minneapolis? It's kind of a weird, it's a very weird thing. And I'm sure like the NBA coming to town is pretty weird as well. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I wish I had more interest in it. I mean, if I was a kid, I think it would be awesome. Like, like, yeah. you know, when you have sort of peak fan of that stuff, but now I think I could take it or leave it. Do you like watching the all-star game or do you, are you like a part of the legions that don't care? I would. I wish I cared more because it's like I feel bad that it's like Bucks didn't have an All Star for like thirteen years or whatever, and now I'm like I'm kind of over it. But I just I kind of like watching some of the Saturday night stuff, maybe like a quarter or two of the All Star game, but in general, I generally don't peek in too much. Yeah, it, it got like the peak mockery of the All Star game as of like five years ago. It's a little different now with like the Elam ending or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as of like five years ago, I was like this is just god awful i'm like (laughs) this is they're making fun of me sitting here on a sunday night watching this stupid game so i've I've moved on a while i was like this is just stupid so i i think they made some admirable changes but i'm not an all-star game guy either okay that's all all right this week thanks those were fun um all right let's do let's do predictions for the week so we've got three games i would say on the whole we have sucked at predictions this year uh, I don't want to speak. I'm not for keeping all of us, track, but, but yeah. <laughs> I think Kyle's probably the most. Yeah, you know, he Kyle's always is. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so three games, including a marquee one. So at the Hornets on Monday to finish out a two game series there, uh, and then they have Mon- Tuesday, Wednesday off, and then at home against the Golden State Warriors, and then against the Raptors at home again on Saturday. Uh, how, how are you? What are you thinking? I'm gonna guess one and two this week, but we beat the Warriors. Uh, the Hornets give us trouble, and it's going to be the end of a little road trip. Uh, there's not a lot to do in Charlotte, so I'm sure the nightlife isn't going to defeat us, but uh, Charlotte's enough of a handful. And I think uh, Lisa Byington said on the broadcast against the Raptors, we've lost four straight against the Raptors. Uh, I assume that's going to keep being the case if we have COVID <sighs> issues. So, But I think we are going to go all out. Uh, I think we are going to step up against the Warriors. We've been pretty good, I think, in marquee games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to continue um, Thursday night. We're going to be on the biggest stage. I think we will beat uh, the Warriors, but lose against the other two teams. I'll go one and two as well. Uh, yeah, it's just annoying. I think we'll probably, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who we're going to lose to. Are you excited yeah, Clay- for the Warriors game? I am. Um, I think, it, you know, I'm a, I was always over the Warriors dynasty. I thought, you know, we can get into that another time, but it was, it was a weird dynasty I didn't really care for. I think it'll be exciting because they're a good team again. Steph Curry, obviously, Clay Thompson is coming back tonight, I think, against mm-hmm. the Cavs. Um, so assuming he plays then as well, like to see a full, close to full health Warriors team against hopefully whatever we can scrap together between COVID, but um, to see a matchup of Giannis versus Steph. I think a lot of people look forward to the stuff and I am too. Win or lose, I think it'll be an exciting game. We always we seem to always have like pretty good games. And ever since the 24 and one game, 
Oh my god, that was that, and then the immediate game we played like a week later. That was peak Bucks Warriors basketball. So I hope this lives up in the same tradition of that. Usually they're pretty good games. Yeah, that would be amazing. I, I just haven't watched the Warriors this much this year, so I, I just kind of want to see why they're what's so amazing about their defense that has them at number one beyond like obviously Draymond Green being a great orchestrator. So I'm really curious how the Bucks will tackle that, and then also how Milwaukee's defense holds up against like their crazy passing infrastructure and Steph shooting. If the uh, Fred Van Vliet game going for 57 points every time he plays this is any indication, we're probably going to have a long night for three. So really look forward well. to <laughs> So it's going to be Giannis. It's going to be seeing the twos versus threes, see if Giannis can do enough to keep up. Uh, it'll be an interesting game for sure. It's a, it's a unique test. They're a unique team, obviously, given the three-point shooting. So we'll see how it works out. We'll stay tuned for that. We'll have um, we should be back next week, so we'll break that game down. But uh, in the meantime, thanks so much for listening, uh, and we will talk to you again soon.